Well, you know, we spend a lot of time talking about the uh, build versus buy uh, conversation here in the enterprise infrastructure software space. And uh, I, I, I came across something, or I've been involved in a conversation at uh, my place of work about selecting a uh, streaming service, uh, you know, whether we're going to use StreamYard or Restream. And the first tier of insights that I had is, you know, we're using Restream for this. And um, I'm not quite sure why. I think it might be like marketing or thought leadership or something. But for some reason, everyone in the tech world seems to favor StreamYard. I have no idea why. As far as I can tell, like, here's my quick review. StreamYard and Restream are basically the same. I feel like Restream sort of has, like, they're still working on it and deploying features. And StreamYard, I think, I'm a little biased by a review that I read, but StreamYard was acquired by some other company. So I don't know, they're figuring out integration. Whereas Restream keeps adding stuff, but they're essentially the same. There's some, like, parody parody in the streaming world. Yeah, I mean, you'd have to be one of those uh, wearing all black uh, AV people with gaffer tape on their belt to really know the difference between the two. They're essentially the same. Anyway, so that was the first thing is that, like, you know, we're spinning up all these conversations to pick one or the other. And, you know, I keep, of course, writing my characteristically unhelpful 2000 words evaluating (laughs) each of them. But what I emphasize every 500 words is like, I don't know, I think they're the same. Let's just choose what everyone wants. And I feel like one, my first point is like, I feel like that's the way a lot of decisions get made. Just to put it, it's just meeting fatigue. You're just like, eh, they're pretty much the same, whatever. Now two, I, I only keyed on to this earlier tonight is I've been reading some discussions other people have been having about evaluating using one or the other. And what clicked in my mind is that a lot of the discussions were based on the like uh, the free tier of what's provided. Like people mm, would say that you yes. can't broadcast at 1080p. And like, you know, do we really want to have branding uh, from one of them in there? Because mm-hmm. you're in the free tier or whatever. Um, and, and what I realized is that like, I am evaluating on a, a different sort of um, set of criteria than I think some of the other people were. Where my assumption is that as a multi-billion dollar revenue company, I haven't checked, but I think we make at least a billion dollars in profit. Can't confirm. Can't confirm. Yes. I, you know, Go on. Mm-hmm. It, probably more that like, you know, maybe we can pay a few thousand dollars for a streaming service so we can just get the top tier. <laughs> right. And like, so it's sort of like, it was making me think, and, and, you know, I'm not trying to be uh, uh, casting whatever. These are just thoughts that occur to me. It, that that I, I bet a lot of the deadlocks and conversations people have when selecting software is really uh, kind of starts from this like assumption of like how much money you're going to spend. And it's sort of like, well, I mean, assuming the amount of money we spend wasn't that big of a deal, how would that affect the colors that you put, make that sell in a spreadsheet when you're doing your, your evaluation, right? And to be fair, it's not like most companies' uh, procurement departments make this easy, right? No, in fact, definitely not. it's been my experience that the procurement departments uh, and the expensing departments, usually not necessarily on purpose, but they're basically the uh, enemy of innovation and the enemy of doing anything. Like, they're really not, like, into spending money. So especially if you're like in the IT department and you're kind of at the uh, the developer or, you know, mid-management level, like the last thing you want to do is go do the paperwork to spend any money. So you spend a lot of time debating like, 
you know, the free tier basically, or, or, you know, whatever's cheapest when really it's just sort of like, oh yeah, well, I was assuming we were going to spend money. I mean, if we're not going to spend money, I don't even know why we're talking about streaming <laughs> services. We can just use the OBS. That's fine. Right. That's like, right. Yep. But, Done. but I think, I think, I think that's probably a pretty typical thing that comes along is like, you've got to just like start the conversation with your peers when you're just, you're deciding on something that like, by the way, we're going to spend money. Right. And uh, you know, this, and then closing out, this is another kind of uh, related to that. I remember I, I probably mentioned this a few times over the years, but you know, back when, uh, back when I did strategy and M and a for a couple of years uh, with, with uh, our friend Prabhakar, which I haven't talked to in a long time, always, extremely handsome guy takes care of himself well i haven't seen him recently maybe he's gone downhill but nice no, good he's uh oh. vpa started uh, got a little uh, startup action in him he's doing well hopefully he does some modeling somewhere because that's a Can't good, confirm uh, that. good don't know about that evening gig for him but he and i used to joke that uh the first and of course this was never put into practice because it's um jokey and just too practical that the first question you should have in any strategy is how much money do you want to spend and everything else follow, follows after that never mind synergies or opportunities or what your board tells you you got to know how much money you have in your wallet before you start like doing a strategy because that's that's going to be your primary constraint right everything is going to revolve around how much money you had to pay for that uh is it muffler how, however much it is right like that's what that's what everything revolves around is the uh do they call that a kitty that you have there but anyways, my whole point is like the difference between StreamYard and Restream, not that big of a deal once you spend money. Well, hi there. It's me. This episode is brought to you by Strong DM. One of your SREs quit. You suspended their VPN access. Was that good enough? Are you sure your infrastructure access is locked down? Strong DM is the only way to be confident in your access controls across any environment. Instantly revoke access to any database. Kubernetes cluster, or server with just a click. Automatically log every query, SSH, and kubectl command to demonstrate exactly who did what, when, and where across your entire stack. Trusted by companies like Hearst, Peloton, and SoFi, StrongDM is the only way to manage access and audit controls at scale without disrupting workflows. Start your 14-day trial at strongdm.com slash SDT. There's no credit card required. That's strongdm.com slash SDT. And of course, we thank StrongDM for sponsoring our show. Enjoy the rest of the show. All right. Well, as always, whenever, uh, you know, Adam Jacob, formerly formerly of uh, Chef, and now um, you know of instant good uh, Twitter avatar fame, uh, like talks about OSS to open source stuff. It's always interesting. So he's got a long thread that I think if if uh, if if I can, I was reading it while I was putting my uh, my daughter to sleep, uh, which is surprisingly easy tonight. So I might have missed a few things, but I I think I agree with uh, with a lot of what he was saying, which is like, hey man. Hey, old people, we got to stop doing this. You kids get off my lawn stuff with open source, right? Like it's, it's evolved. There's new ways of thinking about it, you know, kind of be open to what's going on there, but also like make sure you represent for, you know, uh, the good parts of open source. Cause it will just slowly fade away if we don't stay engaged in a positive way. I think I'm adding some frosting to it and slight difference, but 
what I wanted to add you ask you, Brandon, is is it seems like there was some discussion about I think it's GitHub Copilot, right? There's some discussion around like Copilot that like uh, spawned this commentary from them, some sort of stink or controversy. And tell me if I'm wrong, but uh, GitHub Copilot is something that does like uh, auto completion and auto coding for you as you type. Like you know, it looks like you're trying to like <laughs> uh, you know pull an SNMP v3 trap. I guess you don't pull a trap; you capture a trap or whatever. Right. Like here's yeah. here's some to help you do that i actually saw i was in a webinar earlier today i saw snmp referenced and oh, i was like geez still got it uh <laughs> oh geez snmp will never go away uh <laughs> you, you know why because it works that's it does. that's it uh, does. and it's it's instrumented everywhere but go on yes yes so uh but but what what it, What's the controversy? I mean, he mentioned AI and ML. Like, I feel like yeah. there's something. Well, that I think I that's where we got to start, right? So, Copilot, uh, as they draw, a th- <laughs> it's funny you just say auto completion because they explicitly say on the website, it's like, this is more than auto completion. So, Copilot mm-hmm. is essentially an AI that has been trained through consuming, you know, I don't, tons of source code and open source code, open source source code rather, uh, off of essentially GitHub. And you know, while it's sort of like in limited use, it it does look like it's pretty pretty powerful. And you know, people in the sense of like it will write, you know, like you know, I'm just gonna call it like an entire method or function for you pretty pretty well. Um, or like I said with high accuracy, if you will, based on um its understanding of what you're trying to do. So you kind of test type in some type of method, uh, you know, signature looking thing, right? And it will you know it do its best to uh basically generate all that for you. So, mm. so, okay. So on one hand, it's like, uh, so I, th- I think, you know, like all automation, right. It's like, well, if this thing can do stuff faster and, you know, do it better, that's generally good. But with automation, you know, comes some pro- different problems and we can kind of go through them one by one. So the, the part where I think Adam Jacob is and his thread is coming from is that there uh, are a lot of people, or I don't know, a lot is even maybe strong. There are people who have definitely come out and said, well, wait a minute, this AI was trained on a ton of open source, right? So uh, if you think about all the time and effort that people wrote uh, open source, right? They, they basically, all of that effort, if you will, was then harnessed by, through AI, through going through. And if you will, like, you know, as we know, it's AI uh-huh. behind the scenes. This is the, the typical thing. Like, look at a snapshot, learn, you know, look at a snapshot, learn that whole process. So I think the... The one uh, objection that some people come at it with is that, hey, this is wrong, right? Like you're not giving all of the open source effort its due, right? You're kind of, if you will, just taking all of this work uh, for free and then you know using it to generate, in this case, uh, a product for yourself that's only going to benefit people that can use Copilot. And I guess you know, right now Copilot's in beta and maybe everyone will be able to use it. Maybe you know, it'll be limited to, to certain types of users. But that's where people are coming from is that you know, without explicit rights or asking to do this, you know, Copilot has learned, if you will, everything that came from open source. So that's where people are coming from and saying, hey, that's that's really not the spirit of, of what many people who contributed to open source wanted. Right, right, right. So it's 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 not uh, I see I see what the concern is. And then, uh, yeah, why why that would elicit like, uh, you know, talking about uh open source values because basically you could take a stance 
let's see, to, to, to uh, invoke my favorite copyright crusader, the old Cory Doctorow. Like, I think, I think, I forget if it was him or Lawrence Lessig or whatever, but one of the shrewdest, uh, you know, I don't advocate for using hypocrisy as a form of argumentation because the way you swiggle, uh, swiggle, the way you wiggle out of hypocrisy is just to be like, yes, I'm a hypocrite. And then you move on with your discussion. <laughs> right. Right. Like, it's just like, just because you're a hypocrite by no means invalidates a good argument about anything. It's just like, <laughs> yeah, sure. You got me. Woo. But wait, then, I think then, so in his in Adam Jacobs thread, I, there are two things that yeah, struck yeah. me as like I kind of highlighted. And I think this is sort of the meta conversation taking away from Copilot for a minute. It's just sort of like this is just open source. So kind of yeah. let's go back to like something we've been talking about. We talked a lot about culture in various pod episodes recently. And, you know, one of the things I was talking about, like uh, values versus virtue, right? That's like stealing from uh, Ben Horowitz. He's like, so a value is something you write down, but a virtue is something you like enforce. It's something you do. So I think Adam Jacob in his thread, he says something like the virtue of open source. Like, I'm not saying this is what everyone intended, but I'm just saying this is like what is enforced. And really, when you put open source out there, I'm going to quote him. It says, like, I just want to take what is public and use it how I want. Right. Yeah. That ultimately is what open source. I know there are lots of licenses and I'm sort of glossing over a little bit of that. But at its purest form, it's like, here is the code. Do what you want. Right. And the whole purpose is to not create a lot of baggage around that is to allow people to do it. So so to me, that's like if we're using that value virtue statement, that's the virtue. It's like the license that you apply allows you to do just that. Now, in another part of another uh, tweet that he makes in the same thread is that he says, quote, if you care about the ideals of free open source software that got us to where we are today, you're going to have to start articulating those values and morals in a new way. And so what I would say here is like, I think what he needs to say, if you care about, if it's really more like this, if you care about your ideals for free open source software, right? Because I think the, the mistake I think he's making here is to assume there is a core set of ideals that everyone mm. has agreed upon around what open source should be doing, right? And I think this was back to like, this is just the values part of it. Like many people have written down things that they believe are benefits of open source and the re and the way it should be considered and the way it should be done, right? For example, I think I'm going to, you know, kind of read into a statement. I think he's saying that like the goal is for many people to, to uh, derive benefits from open source software. And it shouldn't just be constrained to like very narrow, large corporations who are reaping all of this benefits, right? I'm kind of reading into what he's saying there, but that's fine to like believe that, but I'm just saying that's just something you wrote down. It's not something that's at all enforceable. And I don't think there is yeah. a common set of ideas. And I think this is where there's a real, you know, friction point is that people kind of bring their own ideals to the conversation without kind of thinking that like, no, many people don't agree with you. They just don't, they don't think that way. They're back to, I just want the, the code to use it how I want. And that's what's led to like, I would call, um, a lot of uh, unintended consequences and that, and, and, and hence here we are. Yeah. 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 I mean, I, I think, I think there's uh, to that point, I think there is, there's almost a, it's not like universal, or whatever, but there is a value. Uh, let me see. You got virtues are enforced and values. I, whatever. There's one of these things. <laughs> right. I should have paid closer attention when I write. But the values is just, just what you write down. It's kind of back to the and where he comes from. It's like, hey, like lots right, of people right. write down stuff. Like, let's be nice to customers, but that doesn't really matter. It's like what you actually enforce. That's what we care about. The virtue. 
So, so there, I, I think there's a new virtue that needs to be uh, written down to be jokey about it, which is like, I think there's a lot of people in the open source conversation nowadays who basically they want a clause that's like, I can determine who makes how much money off of this software. Like that seems to be a lot of what people are stressed out about. Now, there are two related things to that. I would like people to not steal the money I am making off of this, which is just a, a, a slightly different rephrasing of that, right? Like I would like to control people who make money off of that, including myself, right? Like I want control over that. And then I think I think the more classical thing to worry about is like uh, control of, of the project, which is to say who who uh, what what people or entities allow code to be committed, and does someone fork or not fork something? Right. Yeah. So yeah. you basically have operating control and control of the uh, the money, basically. And I mean, I know I'm always saying this, but I feel like a discussion of that money part, like the overall open source world doesn't really know how to talk about that. And by know how to talk about, I mean, they haven't figured out the deal with it, <laughs> right? Like, like there's, I think in contrast in the open source world, like it's pretty easy to understand if, uh, you know, the, the distinction between the, the GPL and like the MIT license and then somewhere sort of in between closer to MIT is ASF, right? And people more or less understand that one of them really wants to have a lot of control over your software if you're using it, the GPL, right? Like they're all into like, uh, I know this is the wrong way to phrase it for people who are GPL people, but like it's a viral license that is seeking to uh, um, proselytize the open source way uh, by by a bunch of language. Whereas like, the ASF and the MIT license are exactly what that quote was. It's just like, oh, look, I can use this. That's it, right? Like, <laughs> and, and so like that kind of distinction is pretty well-defined and known versus like the distinction of like, so is it cool if like Amazon makes all the money off of this stuff? Like that there's, I, I, I don't, I feel like maybe there's an OSBC talk I need to go to or something or a Linux foundation talk where they discuss this, but I don't know if we really like settled that as a thing in open source. And then now that I think I kind of understand this, I can see why a, uh, why a co-pilot thing would just get all of the, uh, the people in a little kerfuffle, a little, little mind confusion here, because this is a whole other layer of people stealing my shit without giving me money, which is like, we put all this effort into uh, patterns as, as uh, Steve Gilmore used to call it gestures, just sort of ideas and ways right. of doing things that are not by the virtue of how I don't really know what I'm saying here, but by the the virtue of how machine learning works, like it's not really written down. It's just sort of like motions, you know, things that, that, that go somewhere. And now we're not even harvesting and copying the code. We, the co-pilot people are just harvesting the ideas you had and the ways of doing things. Exactly. And it's, it's not even, to put it in an extreme way, it's like a really clever way to co to subvert copyright. It's almost like it's almost like I don't know about you, but this effect kind of exists in a weird way in like uh, kid shows. Like I think there's maybe only like three ideas for kid shows, right? <laughs> and and like they just kind of get replicated over and over again. Like yeah. my uh, my my uh, as as my dad would say, my middle daughter 
is as I recommended a couple of weeks ago, is really into the new Shira thing, right? Mm-hmm. So I was reading up on Shira, and you read the history of Shira, of course, for whatever reason, starts with He Man, right? But then the 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 broader subset is Masters of the Universe. And all Masters of the Universe is, is Hasbro's, Hasbro was like, oh, we should have done that Star Wars figure deal. And since we don't have that Star Wars figure deal, we need to invent the same thing just with like, you know, different stuff, same right. stories. So that's where Master of the Universe comes from, right? And like, you could kind of sort of be like, oh, well, like, I think it was Hasbro. Like Hasbro is like the co-pilot of Star Wars figures. But I don't know. It's just like the same shit, right? Like, and yeah. and and, but in this case someone's automating it right like instead mm. of having uh, i forget the guy the name who invented the uh, uh masters of the universe but instead of that person having to uh as i think the wikipedia page said like get some like i don't know what it was big gym person and like duct tape on some other stuff to pitch the idea you just have your co-pilot thing just uh ml out some code for it right and so but i think it, i think maybe your your copyright uh, is an interesting way to analogy here because i think you know pictures just photos is a good example it's and I think this is maybe where open source, you know, we need to evolve, right? It's around um, being a lot more specific and a lot less judgmental of someone, you know, the quote unquote, what's real open source. Like, I think if people want to start to like really constrain what it is and control it, let's look at uh, photos, any type of photo, right? There's something like uh, Unsplash, which I use all the time, which is just like, you put a photo up there, it is, it is, the license is explicit, like do whatever you want, right? So, you know, going in, like, if you put the photo up there, it may end up used in a way that you don't like, but that is by definition, the reason that you're doing it. Right. And, and maybe that you're trying to, you just like the photo and you want to share it, or you're trying to create your own portfolio and you want to get some photos out there. And then there's, and I think copyright's the same way. Then you could say, okay, well, I'm going to uh, put this up for non-commercial use, right? So I'm going to put a photo up and yes, you can use it in your family presentations, but do not use it in a campaign, right? And so that's sort of maintaining control. And no one's like, I don't think anyone's ever like out of photographers, like that's not an open source photo. It's like, no, it's like, I took the photo. Here's the terms I decided this one for. And then the next one could be, this photo is 100% copyrighted. It's very valuable to you for whatever reason. And you cannot use it without explicitly um, going, you know, and requesting and either being given a copyright or, or compensating someone for that. And I think, you know, if you kind of think about where we are now, it's source code could be in the very much the same way. It's like, okay, here it is, go use it, do whatever you want. And I just accept that if you make money on a fit and I don't, so be it. Then there's the, okay, you can use it, but for non-commercial use, right? So it means it will be more limited. People won't use it, but they can call you if they want it, uh, all the way up to, you know, uh, the idea too that you know, hey, we don't. I do not approve of any mach- automated machine scanning this code, right? I mean, you get to that level and say like, no, that is explicitly prohibited. Like only human beings can read the code. No one can crawl the code for any other reason and do any. And so you could start to go through this, right, and just say because this is back to the license becoming s- explicitly stating the virtue that you're trying to to stick to, mm. right? So if your belief yeah, is yeah. that. No, I don't want a tool like, you know, we're just kind of picking a co-pilot because it's in the news, but like, I don't want a tool like that to learn from me. I can be explicit. Um, but of course, like each one of those things, like, I think now the problem with that is people would come back and be like, well, you're not true open source. But I think this is where like, we need to stop that conversation and start saying, be explicit about when you created this code, this, the, and apply the virtue, right? Let's use that same language that you intend for this to be used. 
And then once it's done, you live with those. You live with those consequences. So like if it's open source, free for everyone, I live, I accept that people make money off it. They don't get it. Or vice versa. I'm pretty restrictive. I don't want any commercial applications using it. That means that source code will be used less, right? And I don't think there's anything wrong with like being explicit around that. And whoever takes the time to like want to create code like this seems perfectly reasonable for them to attach the right license. And we should never question them and be like, why isn't it quote unquote this? It's like, well, they decided to make it this way. And that was their prerogative. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that that is a good point is like, it's it's really like, boring for people to talk about like what's open source and not like like as, as you were saying like you know oh, that's not actually open source that you're doing so that's uh you know going back to your famous uh uh commentary on someone specifying why they do open source or not and how they uh they adapt to it what open means to them uh <laughs> certain data lake whatever people uh but yeah you know so so that's the first thing is like and and I and I see where 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 his you know his little Twitter thread gets there. It's like uh, we should kind of stop talking about that, or just be less like I don't know. Like I was saying, kids get off my lawn about it. And you know, I you're you're making me think like it is. I'm sure there's some discussion of it, but you know, for me, complaining about the complexity of open source licensing. Like it seems like that Creative Commons stuff. I always appreciate it when I see the the uh, something is Creative Commons controlled, right? Because because right. you know it's yeah. basically mm-hmm. it's very simple and very explicit. Yep. Like what you can do, like it, what is it? It's basically four levers. Like you have to get attribution, uh, commercial use. I think they call it remixing because this was made in the late two thousands <laughs> when when there right. was like you know danger moz or whatever what what was the uh who was the person who remixed uh you know dust the dirt off your shoulders guy that was like a a, a big album the beatles and everything whatever remixes or mashups <laughs> talking about jay-z or, is that what you're talking about like yeah yeah okay. there, there's uh-huh. th- that's what they were called mashups there yeah. was uh there was there was someone who uh i mean there's always girl talk very good at that but anyways yeah. uh you know so it talks about remixes and things like that but it is like I the Creative Commons stuff is a lot easier to understand. And even like, you know, speaking of stock art, it's another area like one of the things. Uh, so, you know, I use both Adobe stock art and uh, uh, this thing called Storyblocks. And one of the things I appreciate about Storyblocks is and this is, a you know, maybe something for maybe not open source people to consider. But you can tell that the Storyblocks people figured out that confusion about usage was a major problem for their customers. And so they spend a lot of time helpfully basically saying like, hey, I know we got these big license agreements, but let me spell it out in real plain English English <laughs> for you. And basically what it says is if you pay our, for our service, you can use our shit however you want, right? <laughs> like it's just like you can read the details here, but that's what effectively the deal right. is. Versus if you go look at like Adobe stock art, it all it's not that it all depends, but it's sort of like, hmm are you going to be using this in like, you know, the reboot of Seinfeld that's going to be broadcast to millions of people? Or are you just putting it in a wacky YouTube video? Like some, there, there's like a, lo- a little bit of like figuring out, is this going to be like on a billboard or is this just going to be like, you know, a thumbnail for someone that's only looking <laughs> at the 50 views of a video or something. So it is nice to have that like clarity. And I don't know, it, it's, it's kind of odd that the open source world didn't uh, just go to creative common stuff. And instead is still obsessed with like patents 
and like trademarks and code usage. And it's just like, I mean, I know I'm saying it again, but just like, I don't know. I just want to know, can I make money off of this or not? Right. Like, what that, I think, that's I think that would comes solve back a lot of problems. To- his, uh, I think Adams, I think, you know, the statement, I thought it was kind of revealing. I mean, it's sort of obvious, but like this idea that like the belief that there's a common shared set of ideals amongst anyone in open source. I think that's, I, I can see mm. why people make that mistake, right? Like if you work with enough people that are like-minded and you're working on open source, you just kind of assume that, oh, this is what everyone's thinking. But like, that's the, I think that's the original sin here, right? Is that, no, hey, if you don't, back to the virtue thing, if you don't constrain it in some way, then the by default it's do whatever you want and that will have a lot of unintended consequences so like let's move away from that be explicit about what you want to do and you know create the licenses maybe follow creative commons as you suggested and i think that solves a lot of these problems right going forward so i maybe to close it out i think uh i want to suggest a new format now you know at the end of the year we we do a predictions episode now i'm not saying that we move off of that but we might want to experiment uh, at the end of 2021, I'm going to suggest a new format. We might, let's see if we remember. I want, I think that we should have a list called get your shit together. And we basically need to have like, you know, a little commentary about next year, for example, next year, open source community, get your shit together. Right. Right. Just like you just like, or, you know, like I think, I think several years ago it would be like, uh, uh, like, let's see, what year would this be in, uh, 20 the the 2010 you know december 2010 get your shit together episode would be like <laughs> cloud bursting get your shit together yeah okay right? i like, like it i like it and and it would just be like I, this could be a thing this could not be a thing there's a lot of conversation going on here just figure it out just get your shit together well i think the question we have to ask i think maybe the 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 uh the bet we should make was like will this uh force steve o'grady out of retirement to like write about open source licensing i think he's like issued a statement every year for like the last <laughs> 10 years that he's never gonna write about the subject again but i don't know this feels like this is yeah. like a little red meat. So I, like, I don't know. I like Will his, we be able to do it? <laughs> I liked his last post. If I remember, the conclusion was like open source is hard. Yeah, like commercial. <laughs> I predict. I I clearly predict he 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 writes. He's probably being drafted right now. I think he goes at least a thousand words on this subject at some point for sure. Oh, I, I have no oh. doubt. Oh man! All right. Well, uh, you know, there's some uh, just as a minor thing. There's if if you want to find the show notes for this episode, I'm going to breeze through a couple of things here, but you can go to softwaredefinedtalk.com/slash/310. All sorts of links that we collect together in the uh, our Slack and things like that. And for example, it looks like there. It looks like the uh, what you worked at IBM, right, Brandon? Oh yes, yes I did. What yeah. is the? Uh, I've learned. I think well. I, I don't want to say anything, but what is the um, what is the promotion and pay raise cycle at IBM? What what month does that that hit in? Uh, it's or months. A, it's usually in. The, I mean, you know, like everything, it varies between countries and all that stuff. But I think it's generally in the U.S. Uh, in the U.S., it's like I think it's the end of uh, it's like April. It's between March and April because I think that's the end of the physical year. That's usually when uh, I would say that's when all kinds of things happen. People come. People go, people people get paid uh, or or don't get paid. I think that's the review cycle, as I remember. So so April is when the revolving door opens. Yeah, I think it's like March. You're supposed to, you know how it is. Like it's like get everyone get their goals up, or sorry, everyone write the results, and then like yeah. that's like all of March, and then yeah, stuff starts like filtering out in April. Yep. So so then so then what's the deal with executive changes in uh, I don't even know what month this is in July. Is mm-hmm. that is that the normal IBM cycle? I mean, so IBM had some executive changes around. 
you know. Yeah, I think it falls into place. Happens. I mean, I, I would assume for, in this, I guess just so everyone knows what we're talking about, it's this former, uh, what, CEO of Red Hat, uh, Jim Whitehurst, who um, took on the role of president at IBM post-integration. So looks like he finished out his three years and uh, mm, has decided Maybe to, that's more of the timeline. Yeah, I think that's kind of it. I think he finished out his, I mean, it doesn't say this, but like I would assume that the deal in his contract that he signed was like, hey, stay on for three years. We'll make you president of IBM, help us integrate Red Hat. And although, wait a minute, hold on, let me correct myself. I know Red Hat is a separate company. Let us, uh, I don't know, identify the right synergies between Red Hat and bring over some ideas. And I think, you know, like most of these CEOs, I mean, I think they they want to go on to be CEO somewhere else. So I think he probably served out his, his contract and, you know, decided to to go do something else. And I would, I would guess in the coming months, we'll hear about him becoming a CEO somewhere else and leading some other technology company. So, so I don't know. I mean, I think it's maybe fun to write about, but this, this one seems very, you know, just this is just normal. like the normal, right? This is how it goes. Yeah. And, and there was a batch of other like retirees, reti- people retiring in movement and stuff like that, but I don't know, probably fine. But more importantly, it looks like IBM is finally getting off of notes. Oh, which, I don't know. Which, I don't know if they're getting off it. I think they're, they're <laughs> I think well, they, it, They've definitely had the their supplier the the notes. I mean, from re, just reading what's out there, it sounds like they had to migrate off the previous installation they were running. And this is That's hey right. man, this is near and dear to the world I live in. Like migrations, I'm talking about this all the time. So I feel for people. Like this is like hey, IBM's a big big company has I would probably say a very complicated email infrastructure for lots of reasons, for lots of legacy reasons, like many companies today. And so it sounds like the migration did not go well and that people have been losing email and they, you know, there's been a lot of frustration there. So, so hopefully hope, and it sounds like they ordered, you know, a bunch of new, like, Hey, when you need capacity, order more servers, right? Like who hasn't lived through that before? So it sounds like they're getting it fixed, but like, I'm sure that's uh, like every company um, that like runs on email. Like I can only imagine yeah. the pain, it must the be pain painful. of that. I mean, I don't want to be the, what's the phrase uh, uh, laughing past the graveyard, whistling past the graveyard or anything. I don't know if I'm applying that idiom correctly, but yeah, you know, I, I, I was, as you read through the, uh, the register, it sounded like, what did they do? They, they had sold off Lotus to HCL yeah, yep. and then HCL, but including the, uh, they call it smart notes or something like running it. Yep. And then HCL was, I, it was like, we don't want to do this anymore. Yep. So they were shutting down that service. So I guess that means or raising the prices. I think they made it very costly to do it. Right, 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 mm-hmm. right. And which which means that IBM now has to run it on their own if yep. they want to keep using notes or migrate. So then they got to do that install. And man, that is like, uh, you know, you got to feel bad for that situation. That's, but it's, uh, I think put this in the category of like, you know, like all the stuff we kind of like, we know all these things, like the technology companies all struggle with the same issues that everyone struggles with. Like AWS has outages. Azure has outages. Google has out. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like the whoever we think of the pinnacle Whoever the tech, you know, Netflix goes down, Apple makes mistakes, right? Like, like, you know, even the companies that have the most money, you know, near infinite resources, right? And if you will, you know, thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, sometimes millions of users, right? They all encounter, they all have some type of issue, right? So, so it's just like, yeah, it is like technology is hard, even for the people building technology, it's always going to happen. There will be an AWS outage in the future. 
Amazon will go down. Azure will have problems. IBM's email will not work, but it will, it will get fixed. This too will pass. There's no reason to like, you know, and I guess you can dunk on it, I guess, if you want to, right. If you're sort of like, that's the, if, you know, it's like almost like teams. If you're, if, if, if you see your, your, uh, um, not your enemy, but your, your, your rival, if your rival is struggling, it's sure it's fun to dunk on them. It's like, Oh yeah, look, you're having problems, but don't worry. It'll come around. You're going to have problems soon enough. We all know it. Yeah. 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 You know, I, I, I won't actually do this, but it'd be fun to see if there's some, uh, some way of thinking and planning around this kind of decision. That decision being that like, you know, uh, I'm sure people are in a room and they're like, we all know that we need to get off of notes. And this conversation happened like 10 years ago. Right. And you just never get around to it. Now, as far as like strategy, this would be a horizon two problem, right? Like horizon one being like things that, that are going to make, make money for you in the next year or whatever. And horizon two is things that are going to make money for you in the next like two or three years. And then horizon three is like the future. And then the the problem with the three horizons is, of course, everyone is focused on horizon one because you got to make your numbers and that's your existing business. And then everyone also, even though you don't spend a lot of money on it, everyone's obsessed with horizon three because it's cool. It's like lawnmower man shit. So like and then, you know, AI and ML and blockchain. So people always want to talk about horizon three. And then there's old Horizon Two there, completely ignored. But that's the that's the thing that just like you know. But I think that's this like, is, but there, there's a classic mistake here. Is like IBM, like in in case of Lotus Notes, like I would go so far as like IBM can never re- get rid of Lotus Notes because it's like people think of it as just email. But like having spent a little time there, it's like it's a workflow system. So there are things inside Lotus Notes. There are workflows that have been created that depend on budgeting, finance, that that really only exists there into, so this would be like, you'd say, well, why don't you modernize it? Well, because we would sit down and try to start working out the, the, the ROI, right? We would do our, our digital transformation. And what we'd find is like, there's a ton of like really small custom workflow things that only, you know, hundreds of people use in a company of like hundreds of thousands that we can't easily change, right? That we don't have the time and money to do. So, hey, why, why don't we just keep it? Why don't we just, you know, and that, and, and I, don't, I don't think IBM's unique here. Like I could go, every large company I've worked for, like I could always identify a system that you're like, we can never change that system, right? It can, because it, the ROI never justifies itself. Sun, when I was at Sun, you know, they had this like crazy applet-based expense system and people like, you know, a new hire would come on. They'd be like, wow, this is crazy. Why don't we use Expensify or anything else? And it's like, well, do you want to get paid? You want to get your money back or do you want to talk about how this app sucks? So when you're ready to, when you have enough <laughs> expenses that have queued up, I will show you the tricks of using this crazy applet based thing. Uh, and I will agree with you. I'll be like, yeah, we shouldn't do that. But like, it was never going to end. And the only way that ended was they got by by Oracle and they're like, well, that system just got di- died off because the company left. So, I, I mean, this is, you know, this is like, if you will, it's the legacy comp kind of conversation. It's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. you can't yeah. get rid of these things. You're never going to no, get rid no. of them. No, no, I, 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 I agree. And, you know, like the, the there should, uh, it, it'd be fun to read a framework that would come to the following conclusion. Like, yes, this will never go away, but maybe we should not use it for email. We can use it for like all those workflows Absolutely. and other things. Yeah, you but slowly like this, move it away, right? This, this one little strip of functionality, like, and and I think I think the I think the mind game, the mind hack or whatever would be, we're not talking about migrating and modernizing our Lotus install. 
we're talking about moving one piece of functionality out of it. Right. We're going to keep that. It's, you know, and this is, I don't know. I mean, this is a, a classic mainframe thing, right? Like, we're not talking about getting rid of the mainframes. We're just moving stuff off of it. Right. Like so some of the it. things so off of it. We could drill into this one because it's fun. On Lotus Notes. So, okay. So let's look at IBM. Like they slowly are doing it. Okay. One, I don't know if anyone's going to remember this, but like same time, which was the chat system for Lotus Notes. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So same time, that was like, that was what everyone used at IBM. But then eventually Slack got in there. Right. And now, I don't know. At one point, IBM was Slack's biggest customer. But regardless, Slack was pervasive and everybody, no, everyone for the most part turned off same time. Like that is done. No one uses that. Everyone uses Slack. So that was step one. So the CTO or CIO, all right. He's like, I, I don't think it was necessarily easy at the beginning, but eventually the Slack uh, train got rolling and that's what everyone used. Okay. So then the next thing was, okay, well, I don't want to use this Lotus Nose client. Right. Because everyone hated it. Everyone, I don't know, I should say hated it. It's just old. So people, some people wanted Outlook, some people wanted a web client, and they did that. Right. So you could use Outlook, right, to check your mail, or you could use, mm. like, they built this web client. They spent a, a ton of money doing it, and that was available to all Lotus Nose users. So then you got further away. It's like, well, you don't really have to ever open. Like, when I was, when I found it there, it's like, I had it on my desktop, but I never opened it. Right. There was always a way around for me to do, do what I wanted, even though the, the quote, quote unquote email server and the thing behind the scenes, eventually it got to Lotus Notes, but it was all hidden from me, right? So they've, they've to your point, like they've, they've tried to do these parts, but then there's just like this migration has sort of reopened the wound, if you will. It's like, ugh, okay. Yeah, and that's yeah, when you read yeah. this press article, well, at least people can communicate via Slack. So I was thinking to myself, like, well, maybe Stuart Butterfeld was right. I guess IBM's the first. They got rid of email unintentionally, <laughs> but they like, they did it. And, uh, you know, see what happens. That would be amazing if, like, the uh, the executive decision was like, eh, we decided not to turn the servers back on. Just it, sort of see what happens. Like, would, you know, that's probably a really bad idea for a Q3, Q4 yeah. for, for a vendor. That's more like a Q1 move when uh, <laughs> nothing's happening anyways. But like, it'd be a little more sound there. But, uh, you know, just make sure your Confluenci and uh, your Slacks and whatnot are up and running and then just just... Turn off the email. See what happens. Probably. I don't know. I kind of like it. Turn off the email. See, see what happens. Everyone texting. So I don't know. I think they've made strides. But like I, I only use this, you know, it sounds like we're picking an IBM. It's not intentional here. I only say this because it's just kind of back to like, hey, this is the problem. I, I know you see it too, Coach. It's like every large company has a version of Lotus Notes. Just, let, just what I said, right? They've tried to get rid of it. They're slowly getting rid of it. It's still there. And I'll just kind of like, you know, maybe the best example here in the United States it still takes three days for a check to cash uh, because of the ACH system that was built <laughs> in the right. 1970s. And like, I think my, our children, Kote, should they uh, transfer funds in the, in the United States and say in 15 years, I predict it will still take them three days. Totally. And they'll be monitoring it with SNMP traps. That's <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. Uh... <laughs> Well, uh, just as just as a brief mention, it looks like you know I, I forget what we even uh, called it, but it looks like our uh, our Slack box uh, thing might be happening by virtue of uh, Nightbot, baby, Nightbot. There, there, you, by virtue of AWS. There's is is it rumors or something that that AWS is oh, forming Zoombox? Uh, Sorry, I'm, yeah, I that was right. Zoombox. I'm getting confused. Yeah, you know, get, getting together Dropbox and Slack. And, uh, you know, trying to go after some sort of uh, collaborative suite thing. The Lotus Notes 
for the 21st They do. They bought a chat. I don't know, but they didn't buy. They, they bought a whole nother messaging platform. They, my dream, right, that they were going to uh, buy um, the popular one has, has, I don't know. So now I think this will just become like, it'll just become like another version of the thing we don't want to use. But Just a bundling? Yeah, of, just like, uh, I don't know. It, it feels like this, it does feel kind of disappointing. It's like, you know, a bundle, it's like a partnership. It's like a partnership of three people working together that just bundled their products. It's like, mm. eh, that doesn't really usually lead to what we want. So we'll see. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, you know, sometimes these partner bundlings work well, like Intel and Dell, Microsoft and Intel. Basically, if Intel is involved, it seems to uh, work <laughs> okay. out well. Did they buy a messaging but... service? I missed that. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, no, no. I'm just saying in general. But yeah, usually when I see like a uh, a bundling partnership, I'm like, ah, sounds cool, but come back to me in a couple of years and let's see how this panned out. I mean, often it works great, but sometimes it's just, you know, an idea that... Uh, do they cover that in the Working Backwards book? I mean, it, like how you uh, you can actually create innovation through a press release. I mean, I, I, I don't mean that in an ironic way because that's part of their process. But I feel like a lot of things are just sort of uh, launched on uh, here's an idea that we have. And let's see if it's a, if yeah. It well, I think that's definitely they've sort of written the written it out. And I, I do think this is back to um, I don't know. This is sort of like partnership uh, product uh, development. It's like, yeah. I mean, I think if you put up the uh, Harvey Ball chart, you would get to all the partners have everything. You'd be like, okay, they got Dropbox. Uh, they've got, uh, um, you know, what was, I don't know, they bought the messaging thing. They have their own web conferencing thing called Chime. So like all the Harvey Balls would show, be like, yep, we have all the same functionality, but it misses the underlying thing. It's like the experience isn't going to be that great. It's kind of that Slack thing. Like why is Slack great? Well, it's because when you start using it, it's just really good. Or Zoom, it's like, it's just has like a certain kind of usability that you really like. Um, but that's never in a Harvey ball. Or if it is, it's just one Harvey ball and everyone glosses over it. Cause they're just like, Oh, we got it all in there. And it's like, no, no, you don't. It's, it's not going to win, but they can try. We'll see. Yes. The Harvey balls. Let's let's mix that. Those are, they're so nice. Harvey <laughs> balls. I, are you allowed to use like uh, gradient versions, like three dimensional Harvey balls? Or do you, uh, I, I don't know if Harvey balls are like Harvey ball copyright BCG or McKinsey or something. Ooh, but I, I feel know. I feel like I, hope not. I feel like you only see Harvey balls that are two dimensional, like black and white. Essentially, you're not allowed to. Uh, yeah, I don't want to. I wouldn't want to go three dimensions. That'd be hard. That'd be a lot of quadrants oh, to figure out. This this reminds me. I have tried to explain, uh, and as with all these things, it's totally my fault. I, I want, I've got to figure out how to explain it. I have tried to explain one uh, D, two D, and three D to my daughter several times, and mm-hmm. she's it's great. She's so honest. She's just like, uh, I don't get it. I don't understand what you're saying. And, and like, it is, it is like, it's difficult to explain how a piece of paper, a drawing on a piece of paper and never mind the width of the ink or the graphite. Like, let's mm-hmm. just, we don't need to worry about that. But like a drawing on a piece of paper is two dimensions. And then the leap into three dimensions is just like a conceptual like uh, thing. And I don't really even know how to explain what one dimension is. Right. I feel like there's some sort of paradox that if I like, could actually see a point it has to have more than one dimension right like it's it's you can't just like see one pixel i don't know it's very confusing but like i feel like so there's anyone... a youtube video we're gonna find it there must be a youtube video that does this really well is my guess yeah, yeah. i was also trying to explain to her in my limited mechanical engineering uh notion how gears on a bike work and that that's equally difficult sprocket uh, yeah all yeah, right uh, mm-hmm. anyhow so I'm looking for some advice on that. So then finally, I just want to have a short commentary on this because I think it's been covered in uh, other areas. 
uh, someone decided to invent a new AWS service called Infinidash. And of course, this was cause for making fun of like how trendy things are and uh, that people will. And we should say it's thing. fake, right? This is a fake, yes, fake yes. thing. That was the thing, everybody. But in defense mm-hmm. of people who were fooled, one, it was not done on April 1st, as I recall, which, which is uh, very important. Anything that happens on April 1st, just don't go to work that yep. day. It's past, it just, yep. it, nothing's going to be good. And then two, uh, it looks like, you know, uh, you know, Werner from AWS, he tweeted about it existing. So like, that's pretty good, right? I mean, that's in the register article, right? Like they, they quote his tweet. So unless the register is like taking us for a ride and they've artificed that up. I mean, I feel like if the CTO of the thing that is supposed to have launched a service says it does exist, then like, you know, what are you going to do? It kind of like ruins the, 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 uh, the, The uh, the ha ha-ness of it. But I don't even know. Was it supposed to do something? Is it just like a b- bigger than an M dash? That, that's what I want to know. <laughs> I don't know. Like, are you a, like, there's just, I don't know. There's the original thing, the attempt to like do it as humor. Then there's the backlash. Now we're in the middle of the backlash to this that people didn't think it was funny and it was confusing. I don't know. I feel like there's like so much meta in here. It's like, I don't uh, And I, who, um, our friend, uh, what is a Quinny pig over there? He, he had a good write up about like how it did kind of reveal a lot of things about like an AWS announcement because like, you know, the strengths and weaknesses of it, like, cause it was mm-hmm. like, Oh, well, it's not ready for production, which is pretty common. Right. Or it doesn't support things. And like, so I don't know if you read it from an AWS standpoint, it's probably some interesting feedback on how you launch products, right? Like how people, if you will, yeah, yeah. memeify your thing. It's sort of like, I don't know. It's like a parody. It's like, there's some truth in the parody that you that you can like maybe I don't know you can maybe learn from if you're interested in it I don't know it's- well you know I I on that note I am very close to accepting that uh, no one announces a ready to use product anymore all yeah. announcements are just things that will be shipping at some point They're, yeah uh, that's true so that was I, I guess, don't I don't think it's even easy, alpha right? or alpha or beta it's just pre GA let's yeah. just call it pre general availability yeah and I agreed I feel like most all announcements nowadays are like that and. Uh, I think once I'm at peace with that, I won't be annoyed by it, which I guess is tautologically phrased. But uh, we just need to all accept that uh, people are trying to peg out that vision uh, dimension, speaking of dimensions, and not really worry about uh, It's almost like there must be a version of this, but they are trying to Osborne their competitors instead of themselves, right? Announce that you're going to be doing something, but not now, but you will be doing it so that you don't buy from the competitors yeah. and you stave uh-huh. off the, uh, the buying of it. So uh, I guess I'm going to have to take InfiniDash off of my, my resume or something. <laughs> no, I, I even was, actually, I, was, I think leave it on. Like, cause it's like, if you, if you're in true. on it and the recruiter or the, the ultimate person, but there is something, I don't know. There was something kind of mean spirited about it. It's like, and I do think there's a higher level thing that maybe the, I think the register article, uh, I guess this, this, this episode is sponsored by the registered unintentionally, but like, you know, I guess the original person that did it, I think, you know, what I, I took from his, uh, statement was just sort of like i don't know some frustration of like constantly being asked to like know the latest thing to always yeah. be doing the latest thing that to always you almost feel like you're always behind in tech right and I, I i sympathize with that i'm like yeah it's like i don't know there's like 130 140 services in aws and you know bitcoin and this and that and it's like there's just there is like a certain frustration i think everyone has it's like Everyone wants to talk about this new stuff. And it's kind of like we just said, but you know what we're still having problems with migrating email. That's still like a pretty big problem. And like, (laughs) you know, sometimes we just should just focus in on making the current stuff work and not be so excited about the new shiny thing, which I totally get. And that's like, 
as like a take. If Infinidash is a take on that, I think it's kind of good. But it is also like, I don't think confusing everyone. That wasn't that helpful either. I, I think also to uh, uh, check in on a topic before you get to uh, bureaucracy and recommendations is uh, so, you know, I, I have been trying to use Twitter more. So I, I don't know how many people I'm following at this point, but I check in on it every now and then. And I don't know, I see some good stuff, but I'm still not convinced. I just, you know, like there's there's good stuff here and there that people are uh, are doing in Twitter that I follow and it's fun to see what they're doing. But I feel like I feel like it's the equivalent of like, you know, walking around like a Costco or a Target just incessantly and hoping that you'll overhear something good. Like every now and then there'll be something interesting, but it's mostly just people talking about like, you know, we don't need another 50 golf balls or just like, you know, making fun of something, but there's not really that many great insights every now and then someone will say like, you know, there's some fresh hot pocket samples on aisle 13 and you want to swarm over there and get them. But uh, I don't know. I, I, I'm going to give it, I'm going to give it a little bit longer, Brandon, but then I might just go back to uh, not paying attention. I, know, I felt like str- I was, you stress over it. I don't know. I just like, I don't know. To me, it's just like, it's just, it's just like, it's there. I don't know if I want it. Uh, you know, it's there. If not, I don't know. There's like, I, I think that's, I think maybe that's like your, that's where you got to get to with it. It's like, it's just an app on your phone. It's like, well, you can use it if yeah, you're bored. Well, if you're bored, check well, it out. We, if not, move on. Right, right. But remember the, the original reason I was thinking about paying attention about it more is like every now and then people ask me for people to like speak at conferences or mm-hmm. like maybe someone to hire. And I'm like, I don't know anyone anymore. Yeah. Like, so you want, yeah. I, and, and so like a lot of the people in my world, well, it's beyond a lot. I would say all of them hang out in Twitter. Like that is their, that is like the, uh, uh, the drones club of thought leaders and dev dev relations people. Now there's some slacks here and there, but they basically like, they all hang out in Twitter. So if you want to know who the people are, you kind of got to pay attention to them, but it's just, yeah, I see what you're saying. So you kind of feel obligated to keep up. So yeah. 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 But, but I, I still, the, 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 uh, the ROI, the TEI, the TCO, all, (laughs) all these things, I'm still not making the numbers yet. I, I I don't know. I need someone to come with a spreadsheet and show me what what I'm doing wrong. Do some uh, consultation. Uh, set up a maturity model. Well, uh, speaking of maturity models, Brandon, you know things have been going on for a, a long time, and uh, you've got a good solid community. When you need to go over uh, bureaucracy that you have, do we have any bureaucracy this episode? We do. I want to thank uh, Javier for writing in. So I sent him some stickers. He's in Madrid. So that was. Exciting. And then I also sent stickers to Ludwig in Germany. And I also wanted to just uh, recognize uh, Stephen, who sent in on the Slack, actually. It's not email, so that's always good. He sent in uh, some ideas for a topic. We didn't really talk, touch on it today, but uh, we really appreciate that feedback. So uh, a couple things here. So if you would like uh, some software-defined talk stickers, this is all you got to do. Send your postal address to stickers at softwaredefinedtalk.com, and I will be happy to send you stickers anywhere in the world. So, Kote, I'm going to let everyone in on a secret here. Uh, uh, for all the growth hackers out there, if we get a lot of email. People uh, want us to talk about things on the show, which I like. I want it. It's great. I want more of it. Uh, but I was going to say, so if you go join the Slack, and then there's a Slack channel called uh, STT Backlog, if you post the links in the Backlog channel, it means we will automatically look at them because that's where we sort of, if you will, curate all of this great content. So just go ahead, just throw it in there. Like anyone can do it. It's fine. Join the Slack, join the channel, just throw it in there. We'll look at it. Maybe it'll get, it'll get uh, uh, on the show, maybe not. So there it is for all the growth hackers that are like finding some secret way of doing it. You don't even have to send me a long email. You can, you can send me a long email. I may or may not read it, but if you put it in that channel, 
it will definitely uh, be reviewed as a possible topic. So, so there you go. A little secret for everyone um, that wants to have their topic discussed on Software Defined Talk. Oh, the secret is out. Now, uh, now, now people know where to go for the, uh, I don't know. Hopefully if, if we get, if it gets really annoying, we'll delete it from there. We'll, we'll have to, uh, we'll, we'll have know to we're figure being, that out. We're, we, know, we know we'll be massively successful. So that'd be fine. Oh yeah. It's, it's a, what do they call that? A good problem to have? Yeah, I think it would be. Huh? Huh? Well, uh, there's several conferences going on. Uh, there's some that are actually being in person coming up soon. Uh, due to company policy, I can't travel to anyone. You know, we've got a policy that you can't, you can, you can go to things, but not, uh, not outside of your country. And uh, for those who know the size of the Netherlands, I'll let you do the math on what that means for me. Uh, maybe we'll speak at some meetup groups or something. But uh, there is uh, coming up pretty soon here on July 13th and 40th, you got the Rabbit MQ Summit uh, on July 13th and 14th. And then there's that conference, uh, well known for its cephalopod uh, conversations and coding and technology. That's July 26th and 29th. And then as always, until it happens, in which case it will have been as always, I guess. There, uh, our conference Spring One uh, is coming up September first and second. And I was trying to look up promoting a uh, a VMUG, a VMware user group that I'm speaking at, and uh, but I don't want to uh, disturb my machine. I'm speaking at a Carolina one at the end of July, and they sent me a bunch of swag in the hopes that I would uh, make some sort of promotional video in the socials about it. Oh, nice. I'll get around to, but they, they sent me a reminder that uh, I need to do that. So I'm trying to pay off a little bit of that, uh, that swag uh, debt here by not showing it to you or telling you the date that the conference is on. Uh, But if you go look around at the, uh, you know, the vmug.com site, you can see me uh, listed there at the, whatever the Carolina one is. I think I'm, I'm giving a metrics talk, which I actually haven't given that much. It is recorded, so you know whatever. Uh, but uh, let's see. Uh, I think I think that's uh, you know also uh, VMworld is coming up, and and uh, I'm helping some people work on a little DevOps related thing for that, which I'll uh, I'll tell people about at some point, which will be nice. But Brandon, as we like to do each week, what do you have to recommend? All right, so this week I'm going to recommend some kind of heaven, which is a documentary on Netflix. Uh, it was. Um, basically a documentary of these retirement communities down in uh, Florida. So somebody went down there and basically uh, kind of figured out, I'm trying to figure out the villages is what they're called. So the villages are this huge retirement community in Florida. And they went down there and they filmed a documentary of it. And it was, I don't know, it kind of went in a different direction. So it was unusual. I was like, I don't know, just like a, a world I have no idea existed uh, in the world of retirement. And it was highly entertaining for lots of reasons. So if you're interested in that kind of stuff, check out some kind of heaven. Ooh, mysterious recommendation. Who knows what happens? You'll never guess. <laughs> well, my, uh, there was a funny little Twitter gag about, you know, all the bitterness that still exists about Google reader shutting down. And also I noticed that an old desktop RSS reader, net newswire, <laughs> like had a, uh, had a free, uh, iOS version. So I, you know, every time a new RSS reader comes out, I like to go and try it and see if it's going to make my life better. And, uh, I'll save you some time. It never does. And that is because <laughs> what I want to recommend here is I, over the years, I finally settled on and, and I, every now and then I find old screenshots from 10 years ago of my phone and this app is still on there and it's funky old, you know, 
old iPhone version of it, but I've used this app called Newsify forever. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's just great. Like it works really well. It like maybe I've adapted to how Newsify thinks, but it fits the way that I expect to read uh, news feeds. And every time I switch over to try to use uh, whatever the net newswire thing is or IO reader or the old reader or reader by that German company or whatever, I'm just like, ah, what is this nonsense? I don't want this. It doesn't fit into the way I think about things. So that's what I have to recommend. Check out the Newsify app. It'll sync up with, you know, Feedly or whatever RSS backend you have. The one thing that was interesting about the net news thing is that uh, it will run off of iCloud as well, which would be kind of nice. But again, I don't know. I'd have to get used to the way that it operates and thinks. Uh, So that's what I'd have to recommend this week. Now, also, I was going to mention, I forget this guy's name, but I was in a webinar earlier today where the, uh, you know, the the non-tech attraction was this guy from Scotland Yard who was a hostage negotiator. And uh, it was it was a uh, I don't know if you've experienced this in one of these executive business settings, Brandon, but it was it was fun to uh, hear him applying talking people down from killing themselves on a bridge to uh, boardroom conversations and uh, things like that. And, (laughs) uh, you know, it it was it was an extreme way of getting to some common communication things. But as I tweeted earlier, it reminded me that if you are in a um, a uh, highly contentious sort of conversation or negotiation with someone, the best tactic is to not talk. Once you Mm -hmm. start talking, it's all over. Just don't talk, like don't engage. And uh, I don't know, (laughs) then maybe you can achieve whatever your goals may be. (laughs) (laughs) But just never talk. That's uh, not good. Uh, But I'll I'll have to look up some more, uh, some more of that uh, negotiating stuff because it was, it was, uh, it was kind of fun. So with that, Hopefully you haven't been in a hostage situation and you've been here of your own, your own volition listening to this, but this has been software defined talk. This is uh, episode 310. So if you want to get the show notes for this episode, find out how to join our Slack or just kind of hang out. You can go to softwaredefinedtalk.com slash 310 and find everything there. And we'll see everyone next time. Bye-bye. Now, is that a, is that a sonic cup back there? What, what do you got back there, Brandon? Sonic, uh, I'm a big fan of the Sonic because of the Sonic Ice. Oh, yes. you, do you know what I'm talking about? You know? Oh, yeah. That, that's, that, there's a it's lot going on with that. It's kind of melted here now, Kote. I don't know if you can see. See, it's like the ice oh. is... The Sonic Ice is so incredible. I, I yeah, like. Yeah. So I know... I know. I'm just going to admit. Like, I like Diet Coke. I, I know it's wrong. I, I, I apologize to everyone for drinking it. I'm sorry. Um, so with that said, though, I like a, I like a Sonic... Uh, Diet Coke with the ice. Yeah. It's just absolutely magical. And like a little little hack. I don't know if anyone's I don't know if anyone actually cares, but if you download the Sonic app and you order drinks on the app, which is I think is really good. The app is actually pretty good. You get them at the happy hour price, which is half off. So that way you can Ooh. and I have uh surprisingly, you'll find this surprisingly, I ran the numbers that if you do that it's like buying soda at a grocery store. So you're not really paying the, the premium, if you will, yes, because they're trying yes. to suck you into like using the app. And, you know, I love the apps. So that's my, uh, this has become, especially during the pandemic before uh, being vaccinated. I like, I would still, I would just go to Sonic and just do the drive in and like wear the mask. Cause it was like my only, it was just something to like drive Sounds the car around and then get yeah. something. And then that's what I would do. But now 
but now I've uh, I still do it. Yeah. I like it. Let, let me let me help you out with your uh, ROI TCO uh, presentation even more. Uh-huh. Not only so sure matching the cost from an alternate vendor, you right. want to have that. But but let me tell you, you're paying the same price and you're getting unobtainable ice. Oh, absolutely, you're getting, absolutely. You're getting the best now. Now 100%. your alternative, your uh, your your developers are going to tell you. Why don't we just get the, I don't forget what it's called, the GE Profile Ice Maker yep. or whatever, right? Yep. And, Not as and good. then we can make no. our make our own ice. No, no. And, and you're going to say like, do we want to spend time making our own ice or spend time enjoying our fucking life? And the developers yeah. are, it's, it's going to be a conversation you're going to have. You're going to need some executive sponsorship, come in there with a little thought leadership. So the executives are like, hey, I hear you. Making your own ice would be cool, but. We're not I do that. like the Sonic Ice so much. I have done an inordinate amount of research into finding a way to get it at home. And so just to go way down the ice, uh, the ice chamber here, it's like, so it's known as uh, uh, pellet ice. And the, that's mm, the lingo. Yes. That's what people say. It's like, that's what you're looking for, pellet ice. And there are different kinds. But to get a pellet ice maker in your house, you either have to pay, like, I don't know, something that's expensive but reasonable like a hundred dollars for uh what would be considered like a tiny like um it's about to say like countertop ice machine that's only like like this it's very small right that you could just like leave on a countertop and make it when you want totally unacceptable Mm. it's expensive you'll never use it whatever okay now if you step up you're like well i want uh i want one for the house it's like several thousands of dollars but then of course like if it's a separate thing, like you have to have some place to put this in your house. So then it's like, well, where's it going to go? Like I don't have like an ice maker slotted into the place in the kitchen, right? It's just like, then it becomes like, this is multi thousands of dollars. So I go ice as a service. That's why I download the Sonic app. And then I'm like, and also I use it as like a way not to drink too much of the bad soda. I'm like, well, I have to drive and get it. It's not very far. So and it, but uh-huh. it's ice as a service is only like that that cup's a dollar fifty. So like you know in the Netherlands to get a soda that size, that's like that would take like a special purchase order right into a, a place. Like they don't even have cups like this, right? You'd have they would be like, we can't do mm. that. We can't do that. No, 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 no. So no, I feel uh, like here, here, ice, here in the Netherlands that counts as a uh, a bucket. That yeah, you that would be like a. They would look at you like water. you're just you're in, you're just insane. So that's where I'm at now. But the single greatest thing that I believe. Uh, that could happen in the world of refrigeration would be a pebble ice maker that you could just buy as part of the actual refrigerator that you want. Like, I don't want the Wi Fi. I don't no, no, want the, no. uh, the touchpad. I I'd, I'd, like, there's so many things when you go and you look for a refrigerator, you're like, I don't want any of this, mm-hmm. but I will pay you. I'm going to go so far as to say, I would have probably paid an additional thousand dollars for a refrigerator that had, Sonic Ice, and I would have felt good about it, but I don't know. I mean, I from what I read, I guess it's more complicated. It's like everything, you know. It's like the developers, like they looked at it, they're like, we could do it, but the physics and the machinery, it's like it, you can't, like, I don't know, you just can't do it in a small refrigerator, regular refrigerator. I don't know why. Yeah, but, I, I tried to, uh, you know, I found out that this one I was trying to name check the GE Profile Nugget Maker. I think mm-hmm. that's the one that people say is the good one, and so yeah. I want. Of course, we're moving to a new house here, and I wanted to buy one. Oh, I'm uh, in on and, that, yeah. And, like, mm-hmm. you know, it's just not even available in Europe. I don't need, and, <laughs> and there was, uh, uh, I don't know if I searched widely enough, but, like, I really would like to find that in Europe somewhere where I can just uh, buy that. Because the pellet ice would be so nice. So it is. Speak. It is it's such it. a, I mean, it's amazing how much better it is. I don't know exactly why 
I don't know, just the oh, chewy because, because nature chew of it. it. It's like yeah, hard to yeah. like, but like when you're telling someone that it's never had it, they just like, it, it, I don't know. It's, it's kind of like, uh, you have to experience it. It's like a, it's a difficult thing to be like, because they're just gonna be like, what do you mean? It's ice. It just makes your drink cold. It's like, it makes it kind of like AirPods. People are like, I don't get it. It's just Bluetooth air AirPods or Bluetooth headphones. Yeah. It's like, no, yeah. it's actually a lot better than that. And you do and and then when you use them, you're like, oh, I get it. Uh, and same thing with Pellet Ice. You're like, you drink it and you're like, oh my gosh, yeah. so good. So good. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's probably why it's not a big deal in Europe because they just don't really use ice over here. And so like, it's already hard enough to explain to Americans why Pellet Ice is good because they're just like, what's the deal? And then it's like, you know, it's like just explaining it to people who do, ice isn't a part of their life. It's going to be a uh, difficult to do. Yeah. There. Well, the Rex has got it right here. The GP, GE profile, Opal, I guess Opal's on there the countertop. It's like 548. But again, that one's, that's just the countertop. That's like, it's like an ice. It's not giving you what you want. Like I want, you know, a lot you want of just this ice. Plugged into, th- this is, this is, this would be my concern is, is, is there a buzz on my line? <laughs> Let me see. I don't, I don't think so. I've got, I don't hear anything. Oh, I think that's just my machine. Uh, anyways, yeah, you know, uh, I want it plugged directly into the water. Yeah, that's like, what you I don't want. You just refill. want infinite, but, yeah. But, you know, I'm willing to make compromises. It's, and and I just I just want, I feel like, I feel like, let's round it up, $550 for nugget ice is a small price to pay. Like, I would be, my my family, this, this kind of will lead into, uh, I don't know, maybe we've already, as they say, started the show here. But this is a very typical uh, monetary uh, investment, monetary investment, very typical purchasing scenario here as a metaphor is like, you know, you would talk to people and they'd be like, I don't want to pay $550 for this ice thing. That's ridiculous. I could just, I could make ice on my own. I could use, uh, I could fashion some ice trays out of old plastic milk bottles and I can build this on my own, right? And you would be like, great. Um, well, I'd like some ice right now. And they'd be like, okay, great. And then there would be no ice. And then one day, you just spend the money on the $550 ice machine. And all of a sudden, everyone's using it multiple times a day. Yeah. And do you get thanked? Yeah. Are they like, no. oh, right. No. I see it. They're like, no, no, no. In fact, you know what they're like? They're like, hey, could you start filling the water yeah. in the uh, GE Profile Opal Countertop Nugget Ice Maker. Yep. Uh, when you see that it's empty, and you're like, you're like, motherfucker, <laughs> we wouldn't even have an empty water va- vessel if I hadn't just suggested God, buying this. God, we and no one same... thanked me. God, are we, man? From, I, I, amen. I don't know. I don't. I don't know. I don't know. If we've ever agreed on anything, <laughs> and we've agreed on li- a lot. I don't know if we've ever agreed on something more, more forcefully than this. Yeah. I mean, the, just to, just to close out the topic, I think, I think the chapter in, in this, uh, this book of things that no, that will never happen for dads chapter two is, uh, at one point your kids will walk up to you and be like dad or mom or whatever. I think I realized that actually you're the one who takes care of the pets all the time. And I'm pretty sure you said that that's what was going to happen. So sorry about that. What do you want me to do with this animal? Like, it, man, that would be great. Just to uh, always fucking take care of the dog. Anyhow. <laughs> All right. All right. Uh, uh, well, funny. I have a related thing to open up with. Uh, All right. Okay. So here we, um, that's, that's good. That is the pre, that will be the post. That's the post show. 